Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to The Friday Show, the show that wants English ex-players with little or no managerial pedigree whatsoever just to be given a fair crack of the whip. <laughs> uh, today, we are discussing rewriting history, squad transitions, and of course, previewing the big Friday night FA Cup match against Arsenal. What a time to play a football match. Uh, to do so, I'd like to be joined by two pep disciples. It's Asan and Chris. Morning, Asan. How are you doing? Morning, Howard. I'm... I'm, I'm f- Feeling really good. Very happy. Have you seen Guardiola's comments about listening to podcasts last night? No. (laughs) If he didn't mention us by name, I'm not interested. He didn't didn't mention us by name, but I am absolutely convinced now that Pep pays somebody to be all over supporter media and all over what the supporters are saying. What did he say? He was asked a question about whether... He was surprised by the supporters' reactions to Zinchenko, Zinchenko's performances for Arsenal. And he said something like, I've not spoken to every single Man City supporter in the world. Um, hold on, I'm going to find the actual quote because somebody DM'd at me and I just think it's great. Uh, where's it gone? Here we go. Where's it gone? Here we go. If one person writes one sentence in the newspaper or a podcast, wherever, that doesn't mean it's the reality of what the fans think. Burn there from Pep. Well, we're about (laughs) to discuss Sinchenko, sir. (laughs) And I'm sure sure Pep's got access to SoundCloud, so... Yeah, let's see if he agrees with us. I've been scouring the the member list uh, for the 9320 player, (laughs) trying to see if I can find... uh, Manel SDRA or somebody else related to Pep on the uh, members list. Yeah, or some name that clearly doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, <like>. exactly. <laughs> uh, Chris, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, Howard. Oh, how are you? Not bad. It's Friday. Uh, it's Friday. It I tell you what's alarming. It's weird, though. A weird Friday. It wow. is a weird Friday. What's alarming as well is next week is February. How did that happen? It's like that first month of the year is just gone. I'm not complaining. Yeah. Worst month, sorry, of the year. Worst so. month, yeah. But I always have so much planned in January. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't and come some, to fruition then. And it didn't come to fruition. And some of it did. But, uh, yeah, th- I'm normally full of a Friday. I have that Friday feeling. But I just have a little, I don't know, in, in a good way, a little bit of anticipation about time. But it, but. It, in a good way. I don't like going to football matches on a Friday evening. I find that anathema. So it'll be, uh, you know, a bit of a new experience. When was our last one? I don't. <sighs> I don't recall. No. Was it a Christmas time match? I don't know. Yeah, but it's I'm... different at Christmas, isn't it? All, yeah, all bets are days... off, aren't they? The, the days have no meaning. <laughs> the days don't matter over Christmas. No. I might, be, I might be missing an obvious one, but I don't remember was playing on a Friday night. No. Or... A long, long time. I don't know. No, it is weird. Just weird. Uh, the match itself, obviously, we'll discuss what it means, importance. Yeah, strange one. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Conflicted. We will yeah. see. We will see. Anyway, before we preview the match, there are a couple of other City topics I, I would really like to discuss briefly. We touched on Pep <laughs> and his scouring of podcasts and Zinchenko and I think we need to talk about Zinchenko briefly 
Hey, Sam, I'm going to start with you. It has been getting on my nerves a bit this week, but hey, it's January. Everything gets on my nerves. Well, perhaps across the year. Uh, but with Arsenal's success, the talk about letting Zinchenko go last summer has ramped up big time on social media. So I wonder what your thoughts on this were and the reaction to his role in possibly, possibly winning Arsenal the title this season. Is it for you a case of rewrite history about City letting him go and his role in Arsenal's success? I think I do think there's a lot of revisionism going on with regards to Sinchenko and and Gabriel Jesus. I think if you go back to last summer and you look at the the fees that we got for both of the players and also the sale of both of the players in the main everybody was on board with the idea that it was probably time for the pair of them to go and actually I don't think there was even a lot of um, controversy around the idea of selling them to Arsenal because I, maybe there was there was an element of we don't see Arsenal as rivals but for me th- there was always the the feeling that they would improve Arsenal they Arteta knows the players he's buying them because they've won titles because they've got a winning mentality they're going to bring something important to the dressing room for me that was never in question the question for us was always with Zinchenko, for example, is he good enough to play left back for City? And I think that that was answered in the the number of games that he got last season, which just weren't a lot. That suggests that no matter what we think or we thought mm. for Guardiola, he wasn't good enough to play at left back. And that there is the beginning and the end of any discussion around whether we should or shouldn't have sold Zinchenko. In terms of selling players to rivals, I think it was, I don't think that it's a hard and fast rule. For example, I can't imagine that if Arsenal turned up this summer with 80 million for Bernardo Silva that we'd sell him to Arsenal. Last summer was a different moment in time for both clubs. Um, and now that Arsenal are genuinely title contenders. I think that the feeling around selling them players will be different, but that doesn't mean that selling them two players last summer was a mistake. Um, We can only sell one where there's a buyer and two where there's a willingness for the player to go. And I think in in both those regards, uh, Arsenal tick boxes for, for Zinchenko and for for Jesus and and it put us in a position where we we felt we had to do those deals or even that they were they were deals that worked for for us from from our own point of view um i think the 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 bigger problem is one not signing cucurella because obviously that was a player that city were were desperate to sign uh, and two it's having missed out on cucurella um, not going out and signing a, a serviceable yeah. left back. That's a decision that the club made that is almost disconnected from from the sailors in Chenko. Um, yeah. So for me, that's the mistake. And mm. that's something that needs to be rectified. But quite frankly, even if they hadn't have sold Zinchenko, the position more or less would have been the same in the sense that we needed a left back at the end of last season. We needed a left back at the start of last season. We need a, needed a left back at the start of this season. And we'll need a left back at yeah. the end of this season. Zinchenko's just a 
deflection tactic, really. Uh, yeah. The issue is we didn't sign a left-back. thought annual mistake. And we put our eggs in one basket, and I'm not sure why. The, the PR angle of the club is that there weren't any more suitable left-backs. Well, there must be somewhere. <laughs> Maybe they inquired behind the scenes with players and you know, were given a firm rebuttal, and so they couldn't have signed anyone. But that's the issue, not Zinchenko. We didn't fall apart because we sold a player who made 10 league starts last season. And ultimately, I said, yeah, whatever we think. And I think he's good enough player to have stayed in City squad. I'm not sure if it's left back. I just think his skill set. I mean, I've said this before. Further forward, left-sided, in midfield. I think he could have done something, but it was a crowded area. And ultimately, as he said, it doesn't matter what we think. Pep didn't see it in him to be a regular left-back. And if he'd stayed, would he now be with... Cancelo, let's say Cancelo's out of form and out of favour with Pep. We assume he'd be starting every match. Would he? <laughs> if Pep didn't trust him last season, would he trust him this season, Chris? I think it's unlikely that, that it would have changed much, to be honest. I, I, I echo what Asan says. I think that this, the, the transfer movement in the summer has been reframed. Um, be, because of the success that, that um, Arsenal are having, and also the, the, the impact that Bosinchenko and Jesus has had, but we, 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 in terms of the context, is Haaland was coming, Alvaro was, was there, Jesus was surplus to requirements, and and Zinchenko had always been on the periphery, but always been able to play a significant role. And so, so whilst I, I still think we should have probably kept Zinchenko at the time, I wasn't criticizing the club for that. Decision, I, I, and and I thought actually it's in the players, it's to the players' benefit and the welfare of the player to, to progress for for Zinchenko um, to leave, and 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 as you say, we didn't see Arsenal quite as the as as the threat to to us as 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 we do now, but no, I I think if Zinchenko was here, he would just be one more squad player that that. Guardiola would have to navigate in terms of rotation and management. I doubt very much he would have cemented his place there and been and, and, and been consistent. So I do think I, I, I do think that things are being rewritten by a combination of journalists pursuing a headline and and you know a small fraternity of impatient and short-sighted City fans who are trying to find a binary. Uh, solution to, to to what is just what is a, a, a kind of progressive problem which which we're addressing which, which which the club are addressing which has been poor form over the last over the last few weeks so no I, I think I like Zinchenko he's one of those fantastic utility players and I'm delighted for him that he's having such an impact at Arsenal now I hope his impact isn't enough for them to win the title um, but I I I would I would not at any point go back and say um, City you, you you made a mistake. I think that um, I think not not against Zuccarello was you know they, they did kind of put the eggs in one basket. But then if 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 that player chooses to go to Chelsea, which I imagine for more wages rather than come to City and play under Guardiola with a significant salary rise from his Brighton, I don't want that player in the club. If he's not interested in actually what the ethos of, of the club is, so yeah, we're we're left with this eternal left back issue, and and I've accepted that it's going to be a quirk of Pep Guardiola's time here that will never solve the left back issue, but it hasn't stopped us winning titles up until this point. Mm, I think the I guess the thing for me 
and it's it's probably part of a wider conversation that we'll have at some point is that i think i think had city known at the start of last summer not just how good arsenal were going to be but just how how it, how the kind of top 6 would change shape over the next 12 months and how aggressive other teams would be in the market. I mm. think maybe if they could have their time again, mm. they'd have approached last summer differently. And what I mean by that is, the, as far as I'm aware, the Cucurella deal, it fell apart because City had a valuation that they weren't prepared to go above, and Chelsea went above that valuation. Very similar to the Jorginho deal from a few years back. I wonder if City could have their time again, that they would either end up closing the Cucurella deal or they would take the view, if we can't get him, we will have to go out into the market and get somebody else. Because I think I'm not accusing the club of complacency, but I kind of am, just in the sense that I think it's been very easy for them to look at Guardiola and go, well, he can handle it. Whatever the, if we leave a little hole in the squad, if we miss out on a player, Pep's fine, Pep can handle it. I think as the competition increases in the league, uh, that is going to be more and more complicated uh, and it's going to be a bigger and bigger ask of Pep to try and navigate big holes in the squad. Yeah, do you think we've been a bit over-obsessed with optics? Yes. I mean, yes and now and no, everyone's spent- just Yeah, and now Chelsea's going to spend 400 million and I mean, there's mid-table sides who are spending 100 million, you know, mm. I think City are like 11th or something in the net spend of 2022 or whatever, or maybe it's just on transfer fees, I don't, I'm not sure. Either mm. way, you know, the way down the list. I think- and it, 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 just, it just felt, just the feeling, a vibe I got that they had, you know, having gotten loads of sales, they wanted to make a statement about how they're not reliant on big signings. That's just how it felt for me. And I would hope this is, the last few months have been an eye-opener for the summer transfer market that's coming up. Mm, I don't think it's... I don't think that... Look, I think the club spent the money that they spent on Grealish and it showed that they don't... When they mm. want a player, they'll pay what they need to pay. Um, I think when you talk about optics, I think what you talk about is that City never, ever, ever like to be viewed as being reactive in the market. So they've got their plan. And if for whatever reason, the plan doesn't work, that's it. You know, we'll move on. We can, we can figure it out. I think part of the reason they've been able to do that is because the reality has been that if the competition is only coming from one club, it almost guarantees you a top two finish. I think the, and maybe I'm wrong, yeah, but the way that I look at the next three to five years is we could well end up in a position where you've got to go into every season thinking we could mount a title challenge, but we could also finish fifth because there will be, if Arsenal continue their trajectory, if United continue their trajectory, if Chelsea get their shit together, then suddenly there's a real top four. There's genuinely four clubs who can challenge for the title and that, or even five. And that means that even Champions League places won't be guaranteed. And when that becomes a thing, I think we'll see a different kind of energy from City in the transfer market. Do you think our fan base would accept us just being contenders? Because I think part of this role that every time we have a couple of weeks off, you know, bad form or loser match, we... We do have a tendency to delve into our past supposed transfer failures. Mm, there I is mean, now, because we've been spoiled in the past 
10 years and the manager we've got resources and you know most of our transfers have been su- highly successful they've all worked out you know at least 85 90 mm. percent of them there is a kind of innate feeling that we should be the best that we have to be the best at least within england every season do you agree with that we probably do but i think that the i think the more success that you have the more entitlement um follows it's just a, it's a, it's human nature um so I think that were we to go through a fallow period of three to five years, then at the end of that fallow period, we will, we would have readjusted what our expectations are right now from the, the platform that we have from our lofty perch in many respects. We do look around and go, well, we must be challenging for the title every season and we must win it every other season, bare minimum. Um, I just I'm 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 interested in how the league is changing. I'm interested mm. in something something that I found really interesting this week was listening to another podcast uh talking about competing in the Premier League. And it was really interesting that whereas six months ago it was like, well, it's really difficult to compete with state owned clubs because they can spend what they want. And now because of what Chelsea are doing, even that caveat of um it's impossible to compete with state-owned clubs has changed because now it's how do you compete with state-owned clubs and the others? And that's there's a shift because Chelsea are basically spending in a manner that we're not used to seeing from from anybody. City, even City, I don't think have ever turned over that volume of players in a in a twelve month period. The no. amount that Chelsea are going can't, to do can't be possible. If- if we if we don't retain the title this season, it's not because we sold Zinchenko or Jesus to Arsenal, and, it, and it's not and, not, and it's not, bec- and it's not because we didn't completely remedy that left back issue. Absolutely. We know we spent yeah, we five know- years, Chris, d- debating whether they how good they were, and yeah. we never truly answered the question. No, so 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 I think I think that again, people are trying to find a, a simple solution to what is a more complicated question, and it, it, it's easy to be trigger happy in our responses when things aren't quite working like clockwork. And yet one of the things over that, you're right, um, uh, Howard, I think over the last six years, I think our transfer dealings have been pretty, pretty exemplary, really. And the one thing that I admire the club for is that we're not trigger happy. And, and, and we won't be we won't be drawn into an eBay style auction over a player. We won't be held to ransom by any club. Now, now that means we didn't get a Harry Kane, but thank God we didn't get a Harry Kane because we got Haaland instead, and we got a much greater investment rather than paying uh, rather than paying for Harry Kane, who's, a, who's an outstanding striker. But but you know, it, 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 th- th- there's there's less longevity to him as a player now because he's getting older. I'd say the one advantage of a more competitive league is is how you, is is that there are more teams that can take points off your competitors over the last few years it's basically been you know liverpool and city will beat most clubs in front of them um and so so we forensically examine each fixture hoping against hope that the team will drop points yet now 
with a more competitive league, there's more opportunities for Arsenal to drop points because of of United's resurgence. Because Chelsea probably will finally find a, a, a way forward. Liverpool will ultimately clip back into gear. So I, th- I think it's just I always get I always get frustrated by by fans and 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 observers who 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 try to who say if we flick this switch, we'll solve the problem. And we know categorically that is not a reasonable or rational approach to anything. It, it's a complicated situation, and and it's it's a it, it's a nice subplot that two former City players are currently in in in, in a team who are looking you know really good for the title. But I it's mean, not. It, it, it's it's just a subplot. I mean, Jesus hasn't been <laughs> hasn't been a part of this success for about four months now. So no. I do have this feeling that even without them, they'd be up there competing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I do. They decide two other players instead and we we can't surmise how successful we don't who who that would have been or how successful they'd have been. But I think it ain't just about these two haven't totally they're not two like Allison and Van Dyke that turn Liverpool into contenders. I don't think their importance is anywhere near that level. And mm. if they win the league it wasn't down to those two, it was down to a collective basically, so it is what it is uh, very left field question for you Chris before we briefly for a few minutes talk about then our intentions in the squad and the transfer market and Asen I think you want to talk about age brackets as well and you know profiles and that sort of thing I see uh, if Vincent Company came in Chris <laughs> as our <laughs> next manager do you think the us as City fans will thus become a bit more relaxed about expectations? Whoa, that is a loaded question, Howard. Because, no, uh, yeah, because I'm essentially asking how much of this pressure is because Pep's there. Um, yeah, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> nice, easy I, one for you. I, okay, so, so, so what I'd say is, so I think it's healthy to have expectations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you raise a threshold for yourself, and then and and that hopefully will 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 negate any complacency. If Vincent Company came back, regardless of what he's doing with Burnley, it would be a sentimental and and historical appointment. And the first thing I would say is, is he ready? Regardless of what he, he, he's done with Burnley, I don't want City to replace Guardiola with a manager who lowers my expectation any more than ten percent. Because obviously we go in peaks and troughs, and we know history tells us that teams have have eras. But momentum is everything. Even if even if your momentum means that you're not winning one title out of every two years, you still got to maintain momentum. I haven't given thought at the moment to who will replace Guardiola because at the minute I'm not seeing Guardiola really showing me any signs of him wanting to move on right, just yet. Contracts, yeah. Yeah, so 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 when I do start to see those those signs that he may be edging towards an exit, that's when I'll think about that. But, but I think that, that 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 this talk around Arsenal's current success and trying to connect it with who we let go in the transfer market is is a nonsense. They're two separate things completely. And Guardiola is is an anomaly, not just in City football history, but in general Premier League history and English football history, is that he, he's changed every league that he's he, he's managed in. So you, you're never going to replace Guardiola with a like for like because, it, because simply there are not people out there who can do that. But... Um, I think I think that if expectation, re- reasonable expectation, if that did dip, I think it would be problematic. But um, by, by, by the time Pep leaves, 
Burnley will probably be in the Champions League. So, <laughs> the, did you see that clip of him absolutely blasting the players the other day? No, I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> what? what, what the, yeah, absolutely going ballistic. Was it in it. training? Was it? No, in the, dressing room. I assume half time in a match. Oh, okay. I don't know, but oh man. He was letting rip, yeah. You wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of that. You, w- that you wouldn't mess with Vinny, would you? No. So, yeah, he's got the fire in there, definitely. So I've not obviously watched a lot of Burnley, so I don't know what their playing style is, if he's reinvented them in a pep pep light. But I guess we'll find out next season because they are absolutely coming up. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Aysan, let's talk briefly before we look ahead to the match about our squad needs. Do you, do you feel we're, we're in a period of transition with what, obviously, it's the usual uh, media talk of half our team wanted to leave and discontent and all that sort of thing. But does it feel to you that we're we're entering into a period of great upheaval with this squad? And if so, what do you think we need to do? I so I don't think we're, I don't think it's a period of great up, upheaval. Reinvention, uh, maybe. I don't yeah, know. and I think... Actually, I think the Guardiola is the one who has brought this conversation to the fore. Um, I don't think we, I don't think we fully appreciate just how out of character it is for a manager to so publicly go after the character of his dressing room. Um, I was pretty surprised, which is an understatement, to see even in yesterday's embargoed press conference, he's more or less come out and said the difference between Arsenal and City is the character in the Arsenal dressing room. I think that I think that is a message to the people above him that he needs new players, not eleven new players, but I think I think there is some if you if you take the accumulation of all the different messages that Guardiola sent in the last couple of weeks. Um, the, the telling one for me at the very start was when he talks about himself and he says, you know, when I won my fourth title with Barcelona, I wasn't hungry. You know, I, I, I was all caviar and nice things and it's normal and it's human nature after a period of sustained success um, to become a little bit complacent. I think our own examples, if you look in the league and you look at what Ferguson did, uh, there's firstly, there's not many managers who stay long enough to get the opportunity to win titles with different teams that they've built. If you look at Ferguson, Ferguson was really good at almost chopping off the head of his best teams, like picking two or three of the biggest characters, the best players, and just yarding them because it ensured that his authority was never undermined and it kept everything and everybody on their toes. Um, And so I feel, I might be wrong, but I feel that Pep is almost saying very publicly, this is what I'm going to need if I'm going to continue winning. I'm going to need fresh blood. I'm going to need for some players to leave and for some players to come in. I think the timing actually works really well for us because we have 
a, in terms of age profile, we've got a really good age profile in the squad, but we do have a collection of players who are aged between 28 and 31, 32. And I think that now that Pep has signed a contract extension, now that you look around the league and you go, oh, wow, well, Arsenal are coming. United are coming. You would expect Chelsea and Liverpool to come again. So we can't just look at what we have currently and go, this will do. We now have to look at how we can improve, how we can get stronger. Even if that means selling a player who, from a talent perspective, is perfectly good enough for your squad, you might even find yourself in a position where you sell a player and replace him with a player where the watching world goes, well, the lad they've bought's not as good as the lad they've sold. That's almost not the point. I think the message that Guardiola is sending is that at, at this point, at this level, it's not just about how good you are technically. It's about what's your mentality coming in. And that hunger to effectively run through brick walls for Pep, maybe it's harder to get Jao Cancelo, Bernardo Silva, mm-hmm. Kyle Walker, Ilkay Gundogan, even Kevin De Bruyne. Maybe it's harder to get those players to buy into all that running now, five years in, than it was five years ago. And maybe you don't need to replace all five of them, but you need at least a couple of new lads who will set that tone. So, yeah, I guess it's a long-winded way of me saying that I do feel that we're going to enter a period of of minor change. How big that change is depends upon the appetite of the owners and the board to go in the transfer market. My suggestion and my feeling is that they might use the Chelsea spending as a little bit of cover to go and do a bit of business next summer, but I could be wrong. Do you want, well, do you want them to be aggressive in the summer? I, I don't do. think that we need to go and buy six for six different positions. When I when I think no, but about it's more growth. like if they're the three like these three players we want. They've got a name, a left back. They've got a name, a winger. They've got a name, central midfield. Bellingham, buy them. Come what yes, may, I think buy them. Whatever it takes. That's what I mean by the aggression. Well, if if they're earmarked players, don't drop out. Get them. So I would go even further, Howard. I don't even care about uh, identifying a specific player. What I don't want to see is the club saying, well, if we get a suitable offer for Bernardo Silva, Mm. then we'll sell him. And if we sell him, then we'll buy a centre midfield player. I think this summer is the summer to take a leaf out of Chelsea's book and go and buy the three players in the three positions that you need the players for. And the lads that are left, tough shit. Go and find a new club or fight for your place. Like, I don't think that we've been, we tried to, um, no, let me rephrase that. We are very efficient in the way that we run the squad. We are a fantastically run club. The dressing room is built in a very particular fashion and it's very clever the way that we do our business. However, now and again, you simply, because of circumstances, because of situation, you can't be that efficient. Right now, I don't think City are in a position to go, well, if I get an offer for player X or player Y, then I'll sell him and then I'll go and buy somebody else. On the contrary, your coach is saying publicly, I have an issue with some of the characters 
in the dressing room. If that is the case, then it is absolutely on the board of directors to identify replacements and go out and land them, irrespective of whether you sell a player. I think that this this thing about average age of a squad actually is a bit of a myth now, and I, and I, don't, and I don't I don't know how relevant it is in contemporary football because it, it's it's if players are getting older, then the challenge that presents is is how much longer can they perform at peak standards for you. But the problem that we're seeing allegedly with some players is less to do with their age, but more to do with the period of time that they've been at the club serving under a manager who insists on on the nearest to perfection as possible. And over the last, you know, over the last eight, nine years, I've not seen a, a team win the Premier League who's who's had a fantastically low average age. It's always been a strategically blended mix of young players and senior experienced players. So for me, the issue is less about how old Gundo is and the age that De Bruyne... We know, we know, we know De Bruyne is getting older, but I still kind of think he might retire here. It's more to do with, it looks like Bernardo just doesn't want it anymore. It looks like possibly Gundo doesn't want to play one out of three games. So, so you know, so, so, so they want to move on. So I think this thing about average age, it's like, look at Haaland. Haaland is young. But but if Haaland moves on in three years, the age he came to us is irrelevant. It's just what it's just how long we've had him in the team. And as you said, Asan, one of the strengths of, of Ferguson was he knew a team could play at peak performance for maximum three seasons, hmm. and then then you have to shift and you have to shift out the loudest voices in the dressing room. Ferguson in '95 got rid of Ince, Hughes, and Konchalskis in one transfer window. And then brought the kids in through them for the ninety for the ninety six season. So I, I I I worry less about age of players. I just worry more about the the yeah that well, it's that ambition yeah. and the fatigue that they probably feel mentally, and, well, and, ob- and they need to move on from that. It's obvious and understandable. The fire in the belly that Pep talks about and Asan alluded to. A player coming in who's not won the Premier League is going to have yeah. that fire more than someone who's won four out of the last five seasons. Yeah. yeah and just, I think where and the that's only why you one, refresh. Yeah, absolutely. Staleness, yeah. For me, the age thing, Chris, it's just more, it's more about from a, from a financial or an economic point of view. I think that if you're looking at a player who's 29, even if players play to later and to longer now, I still think that, you have to make some calls in terms of going, well, what's the point in keeping a lad for another three years because he's got a contract when you know you need to replace him now? If he's at that, if he's that age, 29, he's not running anymore, you're done with him. Then it's time to, I think then it's time to flip him and, and replace him. I, I do agree in the, in terms of, generally age profile it's not really a thing you look at lads like tony cruz and luka modric and you know the what i would consider to be my generation of of Um, top 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 level footballers they're going on to play into their mid-30s i think kdb i expect him to still be playing at the top level in three years time so Mm -hmm. it's it's not a it's not a physical age thing i think you're right i think part of it is just the 
how have you aged within the team? And also, there's just the resale value of you're not getting anything for a 33, 34-year-old. So if you've got a 29-year-old and you feel this is going to be his last contract and I don't even, I'm not even sure I want to give him that contract, flip him. Mm. But which, can I ask a question? So of, of the players who are rumoured to be itching for, for an exit, and we know Bernardo's been explicit about it, if every player at City was playing to their peak and we were absolutely flying, which of those players, so, so their form was superb and they weren't d- displaying any signs that they wanted to leave, which of those players do you think should probably leave now or the end of the season for the greater welfare of the club moving forward? Cancelo and Bernardo. Those are the two. Okay. That, even if they were playing at their at their, at their more or less at their best at the at the age that they're at the the I think for Bernardo it's more a case of the kind of game that he plays I don't think you know with the best will in the world we've we've run the legs off Bernardo Silva and the idea that he can do another three years in a Guardiola team doing the job that he does I think I find that very hard to believe um I think it's different for Gundo I don't think that it's ever been about um work rate or intent i mean he is intense enough and he does work hard enough but he's a different type of player different type of center midfield player to bernardo so because of the age profile of bernardo and and cancelo i'd be uh i'd be looking at at those two um and going hmm, it's probably time with both of them to to try and find a, a buyer if we can mm-hmm. okay should we move on and look forward Let's do it. Okay. Big match. Friday night. Time to preview City against Arsenal in the FA Cup. Another easy draw for City. Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Two home wins last week. Now the dust has settled. Did you see from half-time against Spurs and the seven goals without reply that followed? Something changed in City's performance and perhaps in the season that gives you hope going into this game and beyond? We, we were better. I don't think we were spectacularly better, despite four goals in the second half against Spurs and despite a reasonably comfortable win over Wolves. But we were improved. And we saw, what we saw was when players shift, just basically change one gear, it makes all the difference with, with the way that, that we play. I think, I think that the... I think the 2-0 down at halftime against Spurs, we've talked about it, was was unfairly interpreted as as, as disastrous. It wasn't. We just we, we, we played okay and we, we considered two um, poor goals. In the second half, we came back and showed and we showed what we were we were about. But we were, there were still flaws in that. And against Wolves, you know, it, it took us almost the, the entire first half before we scored. But I think it's. Um, I think more than anything, I just saw a slight, a little bit of a mentality shift in there, really, um, which I would expect at this part of the season. If if you're serious about winning a title, once you get to that halfway point and then beyond, you're 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 not in early stages of the season anymore. It's 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 it, the time for speculation and seeing how the land lies at a certain point becomes redundant. It's about okay, you either put your foot down at this point or you don't. So. We're certainly we've improved 
our league position hasn't necessarily improved apart from who's behind us, but who's in front of us is pretty much in the same as it was before the before these two games. But I, I think as a City fan, I feel a little bit more optimistic that um, that that the, the, the cogs in the machine are all starting to work a little bit better. There's still a long way to go. But uh, but I still I feel that we're, we are in a slightly better position than we were three weeks ago. Yeah, two teams that haven't played each other for over a year. That's not insane, since, isn't it? That's insane. Rodri took his shirt off and uh, <laughs> annoyed Adebayor style the home fans. Asan, two teams competed for a league title, meet up in an FA Cup. Obvious question is how big a game is this? We said it's a bit weird in a way. Me and Chris off air. How big is this game for you and for the, I don't think the team and the I managers? Weird. I don't think it's weird. I think it's a. I think it's just a really enormous game of football tonight. I don't mm. think that. Um, I think one of the things that has happened, as you say, because we haven't played Arsenal for for a year. Um, I, I think we've almost we find it difficult to judge ourselves against them, and that's I think where a lot of the kind of anxiety around the Zinchenko conversations and, you know, oh, Arsenal remind me of Sterling Sane in, in 17, 18, all of that stuff. I think it comes from the fact that we haven't had the opportunity to measure or judge ourselves against them since that game in last January. I think the thing that I would take away from that game last January and thing that I would take into the game tonight is this last January, I don't think anybody really had an idea of what was going on at Arsenal. So we go into that game probably not expecting what we get. And and we do it without Haaland, and we somehow manage to come out with the win. Now, people will argue we were lucky. It's a bit of a robbery, maybe, but we came out with the win. I don't think we'll be as ill-prepared this evening. So I expect the game, I expect City to approach the game with the kind of mentality and intensity that they used to approach Liverpool games with. And we will have a better idea at full time of what's going to happen in the two league games. I think it's really interesting. I don't think that Arteta can afford to rotate too much because I think he knows Guardiola well enough to know that Pep loves to pick a strong team in the FA Cup regardless. He's got eight days until his next league game. He's playing against Arsenal, who are beating him in the league. I'm fairly sure we're going to see close to the strongest possible 11 that is available for City. So what does Arteta do? Puts him in a bit of a pickle there, because if he rotates his side and they get slapped, that's just not good. I think he needs to put close to his strongest side out, and he needs to say to them, you need to go and lay a marker down for City and for everybody that's watching that you are as good as, if not better than Man City. And for me, that's just a, a mouth-watering prospect. Um, yeah, it's Chris, I just... Oh, yeah. No, I was going to ask Chris the same thing, sorry. That's for interrupting. Go for um, it. Uh, Chris, how much strength do you put in that theory that this game is a marker for the league games that will follow other title challenge? I'm not convinced myself. And secondly... Is there any reason for Arteta not to pick his strongest side? Well, okay, so firstly, I think it is a massive game because we're not talking about progressing in the FA Cup. We're talking about beating Arsenal. And and I think that's that that's what this game is about tonight. It's it's that may reflect my kind of 
non-plus attitude towards the FA Cup. I, 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 it's been a while since I've actually really cared about it. Um, it's it's nice to win when we when we do win it, and and it and it was the first thing we won with the new era, so it was it was significant. But you don't win a league by winning two games, but the two league games against Arsenal could turn out to be hugely significant according to who wins, according to, to, to the way the points go. If City win both of the league games against Arsenal, it, that that hugely Im- improves the chance of us winning the title. And as we haven't played them in a year and we look at the narrative of where Arsenal were 12 months ago and where we were and where we are now compared to where Arsenal are in terms of progression, in terms of momentum, then it is a fascinating narrative. But I think it is a huge game and I I would be livid if either team didn't put their strongest 11 out. Because what tonight could show us is regardless of what the competition is, which strong, which strongest eleven has has the sway over the other? And as we know, it's important. Even when you win a league, it's important. Even when we won the leagues back to back, we still knew that Liverpool, often on occasion, put against us their strongest eleven against ours. They would succeed for a variety of reasons. So I think there's a I think there's a psychological element to this game tonight, and I think every fan from both sides in that ground, maybe not you, but every, every fan will feel that, that this isn't about a cup. This is, a, this is about the, the, two, the two best fighters in the school playground going up against each other for the first time in, in a long time to see actually who, who, can, who has the strongest, who has the strongest punch, who can lay in first. So that's why I feel this, a little bit of anxiety about it because it does feel like a big game. So no chance that Arteta looks at anything Every, all eggs in that league basket, you know, first league title for 20 years. Let's just take no risks and get that nailed down. What, and play a weak side? Yeah. Because a weak yeah, side but- wouldn't give them a psychological inferiority for the league game if it was a weak side, because he'll pick a very different side for that league. But, but why? I don't think okay. he will do it myself. I'm just saying there is an argument that he may. He may now be so, you know, con- focused on that league title that he doesn't he would want to be, take risks elsewhere in domestic cup games. But he would be a fool to do that. What, mm. he, what he has an opportunity to do, Arteta, now is to play his strongest side. If 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 they lose to City, he then has a couple of weeks to work out how to rectify those problems. If he plays a weaker side against City's strongest side and we and we wipe the floor with them, he's no closer to understanding how to beat City when we meet him in the first mm. league match. And so I, I, I think it's critical that both managers play their strongest side to see where the chinks in the opposition's armour are and to see where the gaps in ours are as well. And, and that, that's what I want to see tonight. I want, I want to see two heavyweights working each other out, knowing they're going to get two more chances in 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 the in the duration of the season to put it right if it goes wrong tonight. Yeah. I think that's the I think for me that's almost the the bigger key here is that do you want to go into the two league games cold, not knowing mm. 
how your system and your players handle the opposition because of how much we'll end up riding on those two league games. I suspect that Arteta will go, you know what? If there's a weakness in our setup against City, I want to see it tonight. So I'm prepared for the two league games. So I do expect him to go into tonight with more or less his strongest team and using the tactics that he's been using all season. Mm. Okay, well, let's look at the team city-wise that you're expecting. And I guess it starts with a goalkeeper, Asa. Stronger side. Who's in net? I mean, I do think that I do think that he'll end up picking Ortega, although I could be wrong. Um, but that's the only that's the only cup exception that I would make outside of Ortega. I'd just pick the best eleven. Is he obliged to pick him? We've had this no. discussion for about eight no. years now, haven't we? No. no, he's not. He's not obliged to pick him, and I don't think he'll feel obliged to pick him. Um, uh, we've been critical of Edison's form, so maybe there is maybe there is something in the idea that Ortega will get a game just because it's not like Edison has been City's best player this season. Hmm. Okay, Chris, your thoughts? You know, we've de- we've stuck with cup goalkeepers before, and it's, mm. it's it's caused issues with fans, but it's rarely let us down in the past. But that's in the Carabao Cup most of the time. So, I think we're in. We've not seen a lot of Ortega, but what we have seen, I've been impressed with, particularly in terms of the key attribute that a City goalkeeper needs, which is his distribution and the way he passes out from the back. He, he's hyper-confident with that. It, it's, it, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with him playing Ortega because I don't think it's like playing Zach, Zach Stefan, who's Stefan's, Stefan was a couple of rungs drop down the ladder of that technical ability to play the ball out from the back. I, I think Ortega has that. That's why Ortega's been brought in because that, you know, that's his key ability. And we, as we've seen, he's a very good shot stopper. So the game against uh, Chelsea, the cup game against Chelsea, you know, he, in December, he, he's an excellent shot stopper as well. So I would have no problem. I don't think Guardiola's obliged, but I think he wants to give play, certain players a chance in the cup games. He may suspend that approach tonight but I, I anticipate seeing Ortega between the sticks I, th- I think he will go that way Okay Asa, the more difficult question is the rest of the side uh, the excluded players in speech marks, do you expect them to remain so or do you see any or all, Walker, Cancelo, Silva Foden, fitness permitting, starting this match? I guess in a way it's almost impossible to to make a call on that I part of me expects Bernardo Silva Silva's the Silva's the one who I feel is the most likely to start because genuinely, if Bernardo didn't start today, I, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody came in over the weekend and made an offer for him. Seriously. Uh I think because of how um because of how desperate he was to leave last summer, if I'm if I believe the media when PSG bid for him and City rejected it, he was pretty angry at that and disappointed at the club, uh, even though it was late in the window. So if, for example, PSG, if he doesn't start tonight and PSG rock up tomorrow with a 60 million euro offer, I think Bernardo will be will be banging Guardiola's door down going, well, you're not even picking me, mate, so mm. I want to leave. So yeah, Bernardo's the one where I expect him to start because I don't, I think we're going to need him between now and the end of the season with the Champions League. Um, and I don't think it makes 
much sense to alienate him in particular to that level when we are a little bit light in in center midfield maybe with Cancelo you can get away with still benching him because it's not like there's going to be a queue of people that want to pay a premium for a fullback in January um, so you don't have that you don't run that risk uh, if the rumors are true when he did kick off uh, before the Wolves game when he when he found out that he wasn't starting then maybe he gets punished and, and he doesn't start again outside of that for me I expect it to be KDB Rodri um, I expect it to be Grealish Mares Haaland I expect Stones if he's fit to play outside of that I couldn't pick the fullbacks I couldn't pick the other centre-back partner Chris do you have a preference on who starts say at the back as well yeah, I have a preference. How that aligns with Pep's choices, I've no idea because it <laughs> usually doesn't. Um, I, I think about where, um, uh, w- w- when when I think about the way we play from the middle of the park forward, I prefer not to consider opposition because we can make them irrelevant with the way we can pass the momentum going forward. In the bat line, I, you do have to you do have to consider what the opposition bring, and at the moment, Arsenal's strength very much is about movement and pace with that movement so so the way that they uh, eradicate space on the field really quickly with the clarity of, of, of their passing so there's something about um the ability to nullify that but also to the intelligence of, of, of defenders to 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 be able to anticipate that um i would probably play walker i would definitely play stones if he's fit um, I don't know whether it's a game too soon for Diaz, but I would be interested um, in whether he's fit enough to play. Um, and then left back again, it, it, it's become curious position to be in. Is that is that left back is really hard to call, regardless of whether Cancelo has spat his dummy out, and and it, and, and it's it's just more to do with how Guardiola will want to. Occupy those spaces in the midfield, which is all about the inverted fullback is about. Sucker, yeah. yeah, and and so you know, it's, so so do you put a more you know do you put a more defensively minded left back on there to to, to to nullify that threat? But I think if Stones, I mean, if Stones is fit, I just pick him all the time. He's our most versatile and intelligent mm-hmm. defender. I think it's about who who is his foil in that centre half pairing, and should it be. Diaz to 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 have to have more metal and solidity in there, or do we want another ball player? So do we want Laporte in there? So it's it's really hard to call. But I think that midfield, yeah, definitely Rodri KDB, and it's whether Bernardo and Gundo offer such contrasting skill set. But midfield will be so key because you don't have to deal with Saka if you if you if you stop the midfield taking that ball forward. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it it feels for me now it feels like there are I'm trying to think one one two three four five this now there's six first first names on the sheet on the team sheet now uh, purely through through kind of either form or just sheer importance and you know for and for me that's Mares Haaland Rodri KDB um Stones and Edison and the rest feels like it's a rotating circle okay hey Sam as for Arsenal themselves obviously a difficult opposition because they're on top of the game right now but they also one of the most problematic 
teams for Pep's side to play because it's similar in style to Pep, but a bit more chaotic. Is it fair to say that? We mentioned how he studies basketball quite a lot, Arteta, Mm. in a previous podcast, but is how they play problematic to you? No, no. On the contrary, um, I think privately uh, Guardiola will be looking at at Arsenal and, and going, well, it beats playing a, a low block. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I think the thing, I think the thing with playing Arsenal is that there are spaces that you can exploit and that you can run into. Um, they, Arsenal will not, as they showed at the Emirates, they won't part the bus. They will want to attack City as often as they can. Um, I think Arteta won't mind the game being a bit of a basketball game. I don't think Guardiola will like that very much. I think he'll, he will want City to control the ball as much as they can and keep possession away from Arsenal. Um, but in the main, no, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think Pep will look at the way that Arsenal play as something that he's not going to enjoy. I think that the low blocks, the kind of the games that become very, and I mean that against big teams as well. We've played enough big teams, uh, who just sit with, you know, deep in their own half and go, we're only going to play on the break. Arsenal won't do that. And and that means that it will be a proper game. And I think that Pep will enjoy it. Chris, he sounds right that Pep will enjoy it, but is that just because he's a weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> loves the challenge. Loves the challenge. Yes. I think, um, yeah, it, it, for him, it's, fo- it's football, isn't it? And, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I don't think it will be a chess game. I, I think it will be the two managers just, Comparing contrasting squads to see who they think has got the, the better one. There's something about Arsenal this season which I think will be different next season. This season, Arsenal have a 17 18 season vibe to them, like we were. And it's in, in terms of the fluidity of their football and the way that when they're on, you know, when they're really clicking, they're, just, they're ripping teams apart just with the pace and the movement. But in the same way, in, when we won in 17 18, a big part of that is that. A lot of the teams in the, in the league attempted to play us, and attempted to come out and, and 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 be more forthright, and that's why we destroyed teams on the counter, and that's why at that point the pace of Sane and Sterling was so significant. As soon as we get into eighteen nineteen season, the rest of the team in the league, probably for, apart from two or three, become wiser, and it all goes low block. Right now, Arsenal are not facing the same number of low block approaches from opposition that we face on a weekly basis. If they win the title, Arsenal, they'll face that every single week bar two or three games in the season next season. So I think that the context of that does enhance Arsenal's style. When you when you add into when you when you put that up against City's controlling forward thinking style. That's why it makes for a fascinating game and that's why I could see that Pep is excited about that to see how how what he you know he may also think that the timing of this game could be really good because it's it's presenting an unknown challenge for those for those team players they've not played this arsenal team in over 12 months and so there's a there's, there's an element of the unknown about them when they get on the field together that might prove to be a motivating factor for that squad so i think pop pep, pep might be quite happy at the timing of this fixture I think they, you know, I'd be shocked if they weren't massively, massively motivated. Mm. This is a collection of players who have got our lot 
They've got egos. They've won four of the last Premier League titles and they've been talked about like has-beens, not just by the media, but by their own manager as well. Mm. They, they, Guardiola has done the requisite amount of winding up, um, since the Spurs post-match press conference. And I expect tonight to see the absolute best version of the 11 players that go out on that pitch because they've got personal pride to play for. Are you confident, Chris, that we see the performance from City? Uh, Yes, I am. I'm also confident that that Arsenal will be um, a suitable opponent in this fixture as well. It feels, I don't care what the media says and I don't care what other commentators say. I, for me, the, this, the second half against Spurs and the win against Wolves was about the team making a statement within, to, making a statement to themselves about what they're actually capable of. And I think that, all, I think although, I, I don't necessarily think that, that players are looking at, you know, cuttings from the internet where somebody from the independent is saying that, that, that you know, it's the end of the era for City. I think they'll be thinking about what does this mean for me as a professional in this game at, at this incredible club. And I think, I think there will be individual and collective motivation within that dressing room tonight before they step out onto the field that, they, that they're going to lay down a marker, not just for the league and for Arsenal, but also for themselves as well. The more I talk the more I'm getting gorged on the significance of this game, which is great, but also it makes me feel like I want to throw up five minutes before we kick off. So <laughs> be a it, just feel, it, it feels like a heavy game now, which is great. We don't have enough of those in the season. Um, but yeah, yeah you, it's a big one. Do you think cut ones as well? We've talked about how this is a marker for when we play them in the title race. Do you think cut ones generally can help invigorate a league campaign? I think, well, I mean, what cup runs do is help you rotate the squad and and that helps harmony within the dressing room and that allows the manager to, to see the progression of the peripheral players. I, um, in terms of invigorating the league campaign, I, d- I don't know. What, I think the, the greatest benefit of us, of us winning a succession of, what was it, four league cups in a row was that we'd banked a trophy by February of that season. And that has a, a, a significant psychological impact, not just on the team, but the club and the fan base as well. Now, it's always fun to win a, a, a trophy that early. It shows that the mentality is still there. I don't know to what extent it invigorates our league campaign. I think this, this particular cup fixture could. But whether a wider run run does, like the, the the closer you get to, you know, look what it's done for us. How many times have we got into a semi final of an FA Cup, and it's it's coincided with some significant league fixtures mm-hmm. towards the latter end of the season, and and significant Champions League fixtures, and we end up blowing it because we're because we're rotating so much. So I think I think that that, that there's a double edged sword quality to about a league campaign when you get to the the the, the, the latter stages. But Asan, for the winner, only maximum, I think, of eight other Premier League teams can be left in the last 16. So it has opened up the uh, the, the, the way the, the draws have come. It has opened up, in a way, a great opportunity for City to win this trophy. Because yep. we've had pretty frustrating decade, I would say, in the FA Cup. Yeah, 
Hmm. No, I, I I know what you mean. I I, I had a little look at, at who was left um, and, and what it could end up looking like after this round. And yeah, I do feel as though if we win it, and I think the other thing is that <laughs> there's enough what I would consider to be lesser teams left in it, that if you beat Arsenal, you could end up with a draw where you can play the stiffs and still get through you know, in the next round. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I feel as though the, even though it's a busy season, even with the World Cup and all that stuff, the way this game has fallen, the fact that we have a week to our next league game and then another week uh, to the next league game, as long as tonight isn't a draw, um, I, I just think we got to go for it. I think you got to go for it. You got to look at it like we can win this competition. You certainly got to start by going, well, if we win tonight, we give ourselves a much better shot because we're still in it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like the FA Cup, but I'm particularly because it's Arsenal. I feel very much like tonight is a big game. It feels very much like a game that it's rare that I go into domestic cup games and go, I really want to win tonight, but I really want to win tonight. Well, Chris, as Asan mentioned, I think it's fair to say the one thing neither team wants is a replay. Mm. Uh, this is the last round of replays. If it's level with, 20, 15, 10 minutes to go. It could be quite an interesting match, couldn't it? Helpful leather for both sides. Or yeah, yeah. Will Pep, I, be, um, Pep will be asking for calm and control still. I, I guess, I, I, I think I'm pushing aside all the, like, all, all the significance of replays and FA Cup and domestic trophies aside. And, I just want to beat Arsenal tonight um, more than I've wanted to be a team for quite a while, probably since like Liverpool last season, maybe like j- j- more than just in Derby. Um, yeah, but but it was only it, when we met them in October. I didn't take them seriously, so so, so that tempers how much I want to beat them. I just thought we would beat them. Um, it was a little bit different a couple of weeks ago, but I really, uh, I want to, I want City to puncture this current momentum that Arsenal have because that's a significant force for them. And I want to see how Arsenal react to an obstacle, to a bump in their road. And I want to see the response from Arteta, who's starting to display a certain um, absence of class uh, in his managerial approach on the on the sideline. Um, I yeah, nobody wants a replay, um, but I would if there's five minutes to go and it's a draw and Guardiola um, is is managing the game out to a replay. I'll probably make I'll I'll make it very vocal that I'm unhappy with that, but. I just, I don't know. I have a horrible feeling about a draw, but I may be wrong, but I just have a horrible feeling that it might go to a draw. Right, well, all that's left in a way then is score prediction. So, Chris? I've never predicted this ever on a pod, but I think it's going to be 2-2 and it will go to a wretched replay. <laughs> wretched replay. that be next week? I don't know, actually. Uh, not sure, not be. Uh, Asan, score prediction? 3-0 City. Fucking absolutely <laughs> slapped. 
There's no well. There's no way Arsenal are not scoring. <laughs> Three 0 City. Arsenal are <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Can you clip that, Howard? <laughs> clip it all day long. Send it wherever you want. Send it far and wide. Yeah. I love Arsenal the vibes, man. I love the vibes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any other ties before we wrap up that you're looking forward to this weekend? I guess Brighton Liverpool is a standout one. Mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon. Fancy Brighton for that one. I like watching Brighton play. Yeah. Indeed. Do you think they'll beat Liverpool then? Yeah. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I do as well. Yeah, yeah I do. I think uh, Wrexham Sheffield United might be quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is, is that on Saturday or something? That's on uh, Sunday. Oh, good. It's on BBC. Good. An excuse and for if, me to do absolutely nothing on Sunday. So. Yeah, and, and the usual thing as well, you've got United playing Reading. ITV is showing that. <laughs> of course they are. And, you know, and you've got someone like Walsall against Leicester which is not on terrestrial. How is that not a great narrative? Leicester that are struggling, Walsall that need the money, and it's like, no, let's go standard, highest viewing figures, let's go Man United Reading, which you know how that game's going to roll out. Walsall yeah. Leicester's got a much more interesting narrative to it. Yeah, 3-0 or 4-0 United. I mean, it's not even worth turning it on, is it? So. It'll, be over, it'll be over by 25 minutes. Hmm. Right. That's it. That's a wrap. Big match. Looking forward to it. Got me really nervous now. Yeah. <laughs> well, my 3-0 hey, no prediction has got you nervous, Howard. Just the whole discussion about how big it is, it's like, <laughs> well, it's only a cup match. I've always loved the FA Cup. But, but, but yeah. we, since the owners, since the new owners came in, like, and it's all, which is almost a generation ago now, we really it really fed our hunger for big matches. And then as we became more dominant, those big matches became fewer and fewer because because the, the threat from certain teams lessened. We don't have many huge matches any, in each season. It's usually much later in the season that we get those huge matches. We're at the midpoint of the season and we've got a huge match. And this is what, this is what we live for these games and we know that it comes with that kind of double-edged sword that the the the, the, the rewards are incredible mm. but what's at stake is quite significant as well but I wouldn't have it any other way and if we lose at least we could concentrate on the league eh? yeah <laughs> if we lose it's just a cup fuck it so. that old chestnut yeah yeah. Uh, yeah Chris thanks very much for coming on absolute pleasure thank you Howard thanks Asam yeah thanks Asam for coming on absolute pleasure mate loved it yeah, that's a wrap. We're all off to eat some rice and three meats at this and that, pretty much. And to wonder <laughs> if Sam Allardyce is the answer, what is the question? Who Everton. Can down, who could down a <laughs> pint of wine in under eight seconds, perhaps, say so? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. Here's to City beating Arsenal. And as always, Asan. Up the blues. <laughs>